Alola, and welcome to the Hyper Voice. I am your host, Stephen Morioka, and I am joined by Alexander Hill. Alola. We're very excited to finally talk about, well not finally, but to talk about some more Sun and Moon games and some competitive things about that. But before we do that, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is a an American holiday, we want to quickly just go over what are we thankful for in terms of Pokemon and VGC. So Alex, I'm going to ask you this question here. What are you thankful for? Well, I think the primary thing that I'm thankful for, besides obviously my friends and family, uh, in terms of Pokemon, uh, I'm definitely thankful for like the community that uh, I get to be a part of through VGC. Uh, I've made so many friends from having the chance to go to these tournaments, and it's just it's uh, really awesome. Um, I've met so many different kinds of people. Like the community is so uh, wide ranged. The age range is huge. The diversity of backgrounds and stuff is really, really cool. Um, and I just have a lot of great friends. So uh, that's one of the things that I'm grateful for. But there are a lot of things that I'm grateful for uh, from the VGC community and everything else it brings. How about you, Steven? I think the coolest thing about it is getting to meet people from different countries. You know, the essentially international people. And without Pokemon, this isn't something I'd normally get to do. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And I've met a lot of interesting and very cool people from different countries. So very blessed for that. Yeah, and on the topic of you mentioning like meeting people from all over, it's really cool uh, that you know, it gives a reason to travel and to kind of go out and uh, explore a bit. Uh, that's kind of what the Pokemon games kind of show you um, while you're playing them. You know, you wander around and travel on your adventure and kind of grow that way. And it's nice that uh, VGC gives you reasons to do that, too, to travel out to these different level tournaments that are all over. Because, uh, you, you know, the tournaments aren't always going to be right next to you. If you want to start going to the bigger tournaments, you're going to have to start traveling far and traveling either across the U.S. or in this season, you might even be traveling uh, from country to country. And so that's going to be really uh, cool, and it's just uh, a very cool opportunity to, uh, to have, and it's something that forces you to really get out there. You know, I think it's really cool that the Pokemon games really embody this sense of traveling to compete at these tournaments, you know, especially for VGC. And I want to say my college roommate freshman year put it best, he said this is the closest thing to being an actual Pokemon trainer. So, you know, us traveling, going to tournaments, you know, getting our badges, trying to defeat the league, become the champion or world champion in this case. And it's just really cool to be able to travel around to a bunch of different places for Pokemon, which is, you know, really silly to think of, but it's just really cool. Yeah, and you uh, get to meet people that have similar interests to you. And while I mentioned this uh for in the community section already, but it's just kind of cool that, you know, you're traveling around to do what you love. You know, you're interested in Pokemon and you really want to like get more opportunity to play it, to find other people who are interested in it. And, uh, it's awesome just to have it as a like competitive outlet as well. Uh, playing VGC is like, it's, uh, it's competitive obviously. And if you want to do well, you got to put in practice, you got to practice and then, try to do well once it comes to the big show, whether you're at a regional and international or at the world championships, you know, it, you got to try to, you know, prove yourself. You want to see, show that maybe you're the best. And that's why you've been practicing in so much. And like I said before, so it's really cool. Uh, I, I'm a very competitive person and um, 
I'm not too great at uh, a lot of games that require technical skill, as silly as it sounds. Like, I don't have the fastest reflexes and stuff like that. And so uh, it's cool to have, like, a turn-based game where it's all strategy, it's all in your head, and uh, you can be really competitive with it. So you're telling me you suck at fighting games? Uh, I want to be better at them. I have I'm a, have a really good competitive spirit for fighting games, but I get thwomped every time I go to a tournament for them. No, I get it. I get it. Just because a bunch of uh, a bunch of other Pokemon players they play other fighting games like Street Fighter and uh, Smash Brothers. So oh, totally. I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I try to play with them, and I can't even keep up. Yeah, exactly. I'm in the same boat, and. What's really nice about having this as a competitive outlet, I want everyone to just think about this for a second. If you didn't have competitive Pokemon, you know, to travel around in tournaments, PCs, and stuff like that, is there anything else you do otherwise? Like, because I'm thinking after high school and college when you're done with all whatever activities you do in there, just think about what you do other than competitive Pokemon. What would you do if this didn't exist? I'm lucky to have this uh, as a a way to express uh, the competitive spirit that I have, and I know a bunch of a bunch of us all have. So glad that it, that's here. Uh, glad that VGC exists and has grown so much from the beginning. And I guess on the topic of that, we should say that we're thankful to the Pokemon Company International for giving us this official circuit run by them to uh, for us to compete in. For and it's really well. It maybe you know sometimes people have their gripes about it, but it's an officially run circuit run by the company. Uh, a lot of other games, like we mentioned, uh, fighting games and stuff like that, they have to have uh, their tournaments run by third parties, and the rules aren't all clearly laid out. Sometimes they vary from tournament to tournament, but we have this officially run circuit run by the Pokemon company itself, and so it makes things really clear. It's very competitive, and it's really... It's just nice to have that clarity, Um to know exactly what the circuit is, where you should be going to competing and competing for tournaments. It's easy to find events once you learn how to use the Pokemon Event Finder. And so it's just, it's nice that we have this officially set up circuit run for us. So I know a lot of people, I'm unsure of how pe- what people's opinions are on this, but I, I do like how we have a governing body that, you know, pretty much instates all the rules, structures, and everything for our circuit. So that it's not all just run by, run by, uh, well, I guess, I guess current non-players and how, you know, we have this, basically this, uh, overseeing group, TPCI, that is running these tournaments and despite how much gripe they get all the time, uh, from the players, we should be very thankful to them for all these opportunities to play and all the travel awards really, which they absolutely don't have to do. No, and they don't even have to host these tournaments. They could have just left it up to former players or third-party organizations, uh, like you mentioned or I mentioned earlier. And so it's nice that they they go out of their way to set these things up for us. They they stream events, you know, so that everybody else can see them. They can uh, garner more interest. And uh, without them, we re- really wouldn't have as much access to the, this. Uh, they fly out commentators so that we can have even better streams and stuff like that. It's uh, it's just really great. Yeah, another thing is just, I want to point out, there are a bunch of players, you know, including myself, we came from an era of VGC in the very beginning that, you know, you don't want to take be taking current modern systems for granted. 
because regionals used to be single game, no best of three. You had uh, single elimination as well, and no streams. You had a tournament limit in the beginning. You know, you only had a max number of players that could enter. You had a lottery system in the very beginning, which was terrible. And, you know, we've just come such a long way from now. Just like you just mentioned, we have commentators, we have streams, we have best of three, we have Swiss format. It's just all so many good things that from the beginning where we've come from that I think a lot of newer players that enter the scene, you know, kind of take for granted when things, you know, when they still think things could improve. And obviously they can, but... We've come such a long way from the beginning. Even from when I started back in uh, 2014, I've seen so many great progressive changes uh, over the course of the years. And uh, like you mentioned, like best of three is becoming almost mandatory at this point. We've seen a lot of events require them now, uh, maybe not at the premier challenge level, but at the bigger events, you know, we're seeing best of three and that's what we've wanted. And, you know, having Swiss all the time is great compared to what you had to deal with back in the past. Uh, and so... Yeah, that's honestly a huge deal, and uh, it's just really great. And one thing I, I also wanted to mention uh, that we kind of didn't really touch on when we were talking about the Pokemon Company Internationals, while they do set up the circuit for us, we still have to be thankful to the people that are running these tournaments for us, these tournament organizers, whether they're running a regional or they're just running premier challenges. You know, uh, It's a huge deal for them to uh, go out of their way, because they're really not paid to do this. They're not gaining much aside from creating a community or, um, you know, like they obviously, like I said, they're not paid. And so, uh, they're really doing this mostly out of the good of their hearts. They want to help people find a way to make friends. They want to create this community in their, you know, local scene. And it's just really great that, uh, tournament organizers make the effort and set these things up for us. Uh, and, you know, take themselves out of it because a lot of them end up being, uh, former players. There are people that have interest in uh, Pokemon, and uh, they have to spend a lot of the time that they could be talking with people or competing, setting up the tournaments and running them. And so they really sacrifice a lot just so that we can have this tournament structure, these tournaments uh, to go to and play in. Right. TOs are essentially volunteers running the tournaments for us. And, you know, you got to think about where we would be without them. And to go along with the improvements we've had over the years is that we really need tos just because of the cp bar which is something i failed to mention earlier and how before you know used to just qualify in different means but with the cp bar you need to attend events at a local uh, smaller and local scale just to pick up some points to qualify and having the tos present both to organize manage and introduce new players to all the scenes is a great to the scene is a great thing and these are just a bunch of the things we are thankful for. So to TOs, once again, and always, thank you. Yeah, thank you to uh, basically everyone that we shouted out in uh, this list of things that we were thankful for. Like the community, I'm so gr glad that I've made so many different friends. Uh, and to anybody that's listening, you should definitely give VGC a try if you haven't already. You should make an effort to go out to a tournament and just see what it's like. You know, if you're going to make friends. You will meet new people who have similar interests to you. If you like Pokemon, all these people going to the tournaments are interested in Pokemon. They, uh, whether uh, or not they enjoy the in-game or something like that, um, varies. But, you know, that everybody is has a common interest. You know, we all love Pokemon. And so 
you're bound to make friends and you're bound to, you know, find something that you're interested in. Uh, and that's why, uh, I definitely think that if you haven't given VGC a try already, I hope we kind of gave you a couple of reasons why, uh, you should and why you should try going out to a tournament. Exactly. We are all Pokemon fans. We're hoping, we're hoping newer players come onto the scene. We want you guys to come because, you know, just being on, just for personal reasons and for us being greedy, more players means it benefits everyone. You know, just in terms of attendance, you know, which is, uh, which is things we need for higher prize levels, for prize money levels, and just the quality of competition. You know, you imagine the quality of competition goes up with more players. The more players you're introduced to the scene, the more, um, I guess maybe discussion happens with some of the new players trying to get better. And you never know when you'll get a brand new star coming into VGC. Just like we've had, you know, this past year, I can think of a few new rookie players who are making a big name for themselves just in their first season. Then there are other players who have come in, you know, in some of the middling years here who have just turned into absolute stars. And I hope uh, we can provide these same competitive outlets for you guys that you've sought out otherwise. And, you know, we want to help you. If you're a new player trying to get into competitive Pokemon, we are here to help you. We don't want to deter people away from this, you know, for all reasons we just mentioned. And we really want to see, with these new games, Pokemon Sun and Moon coming out, uh, we've seen a lot of great steps forward for growing VGC. They've got an official ladder in the game so that you know what rules you need to be playing under, what exactly you expect to see when you go to a competition yourself. Uh, we've seen uh, breeding become easier and stuff like that. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to me and Steven. We really want to help people get into VGC, help people understand what they need to do to get ready for a competition. And if you have any questions, please feel free to send them to us because we would gladly help answer them. We want more people to come to a tournament. Like we said, uh, it helps everyone. You know, if you're having fun and making more friends, that's great for you. Uh, it's great for us. Obviously, like we said, it uh, creates bigger prize pools and it shows that the game is growing and we want the game to grow. While our show is on a more expert level in terms of the things we talk about yeah, that's debatable steven it's debatable okay fine <laughs> we are absolute beginners and that email that uh context you were mentioning is you know you can reach out to either of us personally to anyone in the community really personally and also vgc hypervoice at gmail.com is you can send us an email there with your questions but how was your game you went to a midnight launch is that correct i did yeah i did too to a uh, gamestop what was the turnout like what did you see uh well uh, since you were at a GameStop, you probably got sorted into groups. I was lucky enough to be in group two, so I didn't quite just see the whole mass, but there was a lot of people. Like, I stepped out of line a bit to kind of see, and, you know, we had, like, uh, I can't really describe how many people that I thought were there. I mean, I remember hearing numbers thrown around, like we had 350-something pre-orders, but just looking at that, we had, like, a whole, I don't know, city sidewalk length and it was going down like a whole block almost it seemed like it was a lot a lot of people maybe not a whole block but it was it was a lot there was a lot of people we probably had over i mean they said three over 300 for pre-orders how was it for you steven how many people were there i'd say my head count at the midnight launch at my GameStop i went to was around 30 mm -hmm. so that's pretty good i thought yeah so 
it might just be a bit bigger here because I'm in a college town and it's also, uh, we have a high school nearby. So you're going to see a lot of different people coming. Now you, did you have 350 pre-orders in general or you had 350 people lined up? No, it was 350 pre-orders in general. So there was definitely not 350 people there, but there was, I would say at least a hundred because, uh, 30, I could not, it did not look like a, like, uh, cause I'm in, still in school, but like a classroom amount. It was, it looked like a big lecture hall to me. <laughs> oh, ha. See, they should have just, they should just open a Pokemon Center here in, uh, America. And they would get a great toner, turnout for any, uh, new launch titles. Didn't they have a, uh, a huge thing at the Nintendo, th- uh, thing in New York? I believe there was, like, a whole lot of people going there. What is it called? The Nintendo. Nintendo something. World. Nintendo World in New York. I believe they had a huge uh, release thing going on there. Yeah, I think I saw that too. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I wish, wish we could have been there. Wish we had something like that. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Uh, uh, it's kind of silly, I mean, uh, to bring this up, because this is TCG related, but like they have those, uh, those launches where, you know, you open all the packs and... Uh, play a tournament right then and there with like your new cards and stuff like that it'd be almost kind of fun if we could do something like that for vgc but unfortunately you kind of had to play through the game a lot get uh things ready and organized before you can actually start competing so you would get to meet a lot of people but unfortunately you wouldn't get to play until after a couple of weeks yeah i mean unless you get rid of species claws and you get to use all your young goose and picky pecks (laughs) and that'd be great yeah we'd see the starters really lead the way i'm sure and it'd be all about team matchup which starter versus which starter? Oh gosh, the chaos. But I guess speaking of getting ready for competing, you know, there's definitely a lot of uh, hoops that you have to jump through to get everything ready. Uh, I'm currently playing through my game right now, and I'm just looking around like, all right, where am I going to be doing this part and this part of getting my team ready? Uh, and I haven't been able to put all the pieces together yet because I, uh, Steven and I have not yet completed the game. I know two days later it should be expected. You know, Steven and I shouldn't have slept, shouldn't have eaten, but, you know, we do have lives outside of playing Sun and Moon all day long, eh. so, eh, <laughs> is, that a, is that also debatable? It's a meh answer, you know, with the flat hand doing a little shake. All right, not, all not right. Not so sure. Anyway, uh, so we don't, we aren't really sure exactly all the keys that you'll need to be putting together and all the pieces to, to put together uh, to get ready uh, for competing. But once we do kind of get into the swing of things, uh, Steve and I will definitely talk about that. But there are a lot of precursors and stuff that we can talk about beforehand uh, to get your team ready in game and stuff like that. Yes. One of those included is hyper training. You know, we talked about this a lot during last the last episode, but we kind of want to amend what we said about that because it turns out, what hypertraining does is it will, it will not, ex- you know, it's supposed to increase your IVs from whatever they are to maximum at 31. But what it actually does is it doesn't change the actual IV of the stats, but it only, it will only reflect the outward appearance of a 31. So if that makes sense. You know, if your IV was a five, your IV is still going to be a five, even if you use even if you use the bottle caps on it. However, your stat on the outward appearance is going to be maximum whatever it was supposed to be. And this is still okay for competitive. You know, you can still use these Pokemon and they will hit as hard as possible. 
if you max out these stats to 31. But the there are a certain number of things that, uh, like Steven mentioned, having this 5 still represented as your actual IV, that it, it, rep- it reflects uh, a couple different characteristics. Uh, one of those being, um, we mentioned that it would be a good idea to get a ditto uh, up to level 100 and then max out its IV so that it would be better for breeding. However, uh, we found out that this is not the case, and if you take a ditto and max out its IVs, when you try to breed with it, it's still going to pass over that 5 IV or whatever IV it ends up being, even though you max it out. Right, so don't waste your time with bottle capping a ditto. It's not really going to help you, un- you know, un- unless you plan on using ditto in a tournament, then you might need those. But, you know, again, this will still work fine for your for your guardian Pokemon, for your Ultra Beasts, but... For the Ditto, you might want to reconsider that, you know, what we said earlier. Uh, because, you know, like Alex mentioned, the IVs do not pass, or the maxed out stat does not pass down as a 31 IV. It still retains whatever its original one was. So, Ditto is something, you know, you'd kind of want to avoid bottle capping now that we have this information confirmed. Now, the other uh, information that's a bit wonky compared to past generations is the way Hidden Power interacts with this new feature. So, essentially, Hidden Power is... It's... Okay, so, the power is constant. It used to be variant, depending on your IVs. But the power is a constant, I believe, 60 or 70, something around there. And it changes type depending on the composition of your six IVs on your Pokémon, between all your different stats. And what your Pokémon's IVs end up being when it is... Uh, I guess, conceptualized whenever you catch it, find it in the wild, hatch it, however you end up getting that Pokemon, uh, the hidden power that it has is constant. And so when you take this Pokemon with, let's say it has all five uh, IVs in every stat, and you max out all six of them, it's still going to have a hidden power representative of those IVs that it started with. Now this is a interesting change. It's... um, it, it leads to uh, a definite positive, but also kind of a weird uh, thing conceptually, because, you know, if you want a Pokemon with, let's say, Hidden Power Ice, you are going to have to breed a Pokemon with IVs that represent Hidden Power Ice, and then from there, you would uh, max out the IVs on this Pokemon, and you would still have Hidden Power Ice, but now you can have perfect stats, which brings me to the great positive of this. Uh, in the past, if you wanted to use something like Hidden Power Ice, you needed to have a 30 IV in speed, or like a 30 in attack and defense. And so this meant that your Pokemon did not have the most stats it could possibly have. However, with this new feature, you can get a Pokemon with Hidden Power Ice, have totally imperfect stats, use bottle caps to max them out, and now your Pokemon has the highest stats possible while also having the Hidden Power of the type of your choice. Exactly, and just going back to things we used to take for granted, you know, I feel like this is something we shouldn't take for granted just because, you know, it really seems like a nuisance in the past now where for your hidden powers you needed to have 30s in some spots where you'd obviously rather have 31s, but you had to have 30s, you know, say some of the most common hidden powers like ice, ground, and fire... You need to have a 30 in defense for ice. You need a 30 in special attack and special defense for uh, fire or ground. One of those two, I can't remember. But with what you just mentioned, you can have your imperfect stats 
And they don't even have to be 30s anymore. They can just be something lower that'll give you the correct hidden power. And you can bottle cap everything and you'll be at, you'll have, you'll have flawless IVs to work with in terms of your stats. And I'm assuming EV training will again reflect the outward stats as well. So this is, this is all just positives. Um, you know, it'll be hard, kind of difficult to conceptualize in the beginning, but these are all positives moving, moving forward. Yeah. And so this is definitely something that you want to like keep in mind, uh, for breeding in the new generation once you reach that point and you're trying to get a team ready for competitive uh as for other things uh we'll probably have to move on from now from this topic because like i said steven and i are still playing through the games uh and so we can't really cover exactly what you need what kind of process you do but once we do uh, I'm sure Steven and I will kind of exchange tips, what we think are going to be the best methods for breeding, how to get Pokemon uh, leveled up and have the highest stats possible, EV trained, uh, and all that. Um, but until then, uh, we're just going to leave you with this, kind of some tips on hyper training. We talked about uh, things to do in the past, breed with dittos, get them with the right natures. Uh, but I guess right now, Steven and I could kind of touch on the 2017 format. And, Absolutely. Uh, this is a very exciting topic, uh, but uh, again, another precursor before we do get to full discussion. Steven and I have not finished the full games. I have yet to see the Alola decks. Steven, I know, has not seen uh, the entirety of the Alola decks either, so we don't know everything that's going to be legal. We uh, do know, at least I believe we do know, that Ultra Beasts should be allowed from what we're hearing. Um... But I don't know all the Ultra Beasts, so it's not really uh, too relevant to me yet. Uh, we won't really be discussing those. Uh, but there are a couple of updates that we've seen on Cerebee that we definitely think are worth talking about and are going to be very relevant in VGC. Do you want to go over some of those, Steven? Yeah, and right. And so, like Alex mentioned, you know, we can't have... Uh, we've not seen the full Pokedex for Alola. In terms of uh, Gen 7 Pokemon, at least for me... I looked through the first six generations just so I could, you know, kind of get a glance at what's out there. But I do not, there's some new Pokemon I currently do not know about. And we're good, we're, you know, you're going to have to respect our wishes to play through the game and retain some surprises. But anyway, there are some changes from the old Pokemon we can talk about, which I think are still significant enough to mention here. So there are four different things we want to talk about, and those are... Up some updated stats, some updated old abilities, and some Pokemon that gained new abilities, and then some moves that changed, some moves that changed, for some old moves that changed to be more precise. So why don't we just start with the, let's go with the old abilities first, just to get these out of the way. Um, so the four we're going to talk about here are Gale Wings, Parental Bond, Prankster, and Weak Armor. So Gale Wings. Um, we see now that, I guess Talonflame not only cannot just have priority flying moves at all times now, it has to have max HP. What do you think? Huge, huge nerf. It re we really clipped Talonflame's wings here. Uh, it's not going to be nearly as relevant as it was in the past um, for multiple reasons. Now, uh, we saw that uh, Talonflame was, uh, it doesn't have the highest attack stat, but because of this Gale Wings ability... It was a huge Pokemon, very relevant for the past three years in VGC, ever since it was introduced, uh, because of the ability to have such a strong priority move in Brave Bird. 120 base power priority, 
very strong, very threatening. Uh, however, the move Braver causes damage, it causes recoil damage. And that means uh, after you've successfully landed one Brave Bird, your HP will no longer be at full. Which means the next Brave Bird that Talonflame uses in Pokemon Sun and Moon will no longer be priority. Uh, so definitely hindering Talonflame's ability to kind of spam Brave Bird all the time. Uh, it's definitely still got a very high speed stat, but uh, priority was kind of the main thing that kept Talonflame relevant. And so this is a huge, huge nerf to it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you won't be able to... In the past, you know, you'd be able to switch in Talonflame and it would still be able to do stuff. Even under Trick Room, you know, you despite being so fast because of priority with Gale Wings, it's still going to be dishing out a lot of damage with Brave Bird. But that's likely not going to be the case that much anymore. And, you know, poor Talonflame, I don't see it. It is in the po is it is it is in the Alola decks, and I don't see it getting that much usage um, this year. Yeah, unfortunately, one and done uh, priority move is just not going to be a big enough deal. And I guess moving forward, we can talk about uh, another Pokemon that's been pretty relevant in VGC. We talked about Parental Bond, and so Kangaskhan definitely been a popular face, uh, of course, in VGC in the past couple of years as well. Uh, I guess for the past three years, Talonflame and Kangaskhan definitely been friends. They've definitely been in the popular crowd. But uh, Parental Bond, uh, it hits twice, and on the second hit, it would do 50% damage of what the first hit did. It, uh, it, it followed the same mechanics of rolls, but it would do uh, 50% of what the potential damage of the first hit could do. And now they dropped that to 25%. Right, so... A neat, nice nerf for Mega Kangaskhan. You know, it won't be a threat this season, at least, with no Mega Stones allowed. But it's good to know that they were conscious of how strong Mega Kangaskhan was and decided to change that second hit for Pernabon. I think if it comes back to VGC in the future, it will still be a threat to deal with. But, you know, hopefully not as large as it was before. But, again, because it is not... Uh, the Mega Form won't be legal for the format. Don't have to worry about that. Neat change to see, though. Uh, another ability, just moving forward here, is Weak Armor, which instead of raising speed by one stage, it now raises by two. I'm not sure how relevant that has ever been in competitive play so far. I guess the one thing we can say about it is it will make it more relevant than it has been in the past. Because, you know, bigger increases in speed. Uh, it changed from dropping your defense once but increasing your speed once to dropping your defense once but increasing your speed twice. So, um, you know, getting a bigger speed increase uh, at the cost of one hit, you know, before you would have to take two hits and two drops into your defense to get that plus two speed, but now you get it after just one hit, which means uh, they might get the speed that they need or uh, required to kind of pull off their strategy or do well enough in the battle. So, while weak armor will definitely not be something uh, dominant, it's uh, definitely a good buff for it, and I think it's you know it's a good change to an ability that otherwise wasn't too noticeable. Yeah, we'll still have to wait and see if it gains any traction, but the next one we know has been pretty prominent in the past, and that is Prankster, which now fails when using on an opposing Dark type. Any priority move used from that uh, gained priority from Prankster will fail on a Dark-type Pokemon. It'll still work on your partner Pokemon. But, you know, where was this last year when we had Weavile and Yveltal, who really could have used the help here? 
Yeah, this is a very interesting, interesting change. Uh, and I do like it. It means that uh, if you are really annoyed by Prankster, there were, it wasn't so difficult to block, you know. Uh, I mean, we had Quick Guard. There are the, You could try to taunt it, but Pokemon like Whimsicott, you know, you're not going to get to taunt that before it potentially taunts you. So having Dark-type Pokemon immune to Prankster moves is just, it's awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to, you know, make battles a bit more intricate. Uh, if you want to balance how your team interacts with opposing Prankster Pokemon, yeah, at a Dark-type, it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to see this change. As am I, hoping to see a spark... A spike, not a spark, a spike in dark type usage, uh, simply for this reason. Uh, not so sure what other prankster Pokemon there are in here. I know Whimsicott's in the Pokedex. I don't know about Meowstic. I don't think it is. But regardless, you know, prankster is a pretty terrifying ability to deal with. And knowing that you'll have, you can potentially have a dark type to neuter that effect will be pretty big. So I guess. That's it for the old abilities, and I want to save the the two other things we mentioned. I want to save the better parts for later. Let's move on to um, some of the old attacks that gained some new updates to them. Yeah, so we saw uh, a couple of moves get changes, and they're uh, not all of them are worth talking about. But uh, we can talk about the one that I'm sure lots of VGC veterans will be excited to hear about. Uh, it's closer to the top of the list uh, alphabetically. And it's definitely number one on my list for changes, because uh, I do know Smeargle is still legal in this format. Steven, do you know what I'm referring to? I do know what you're referring to, and that is the Dark Void. Yes. Uh, we have all been plunged into the Dark Void several, several times over the course of playing VGC, whether it was back in 2009 uh, or even this year in 2016. Uh, Dark Void on Smeargle was quite the nuisance, and so... Uh, we saw two changes to Dark Void going forward, uh, and so the first change Dark Void got was its accuracy was changed from 80% to 50%. Holy cow, man. Look at yeah. that. You know, and it only gets better from here, because now Smeargle can't even use it. You know, we've seen people launch off Hypnosis, which is only 60% accurate, uh, without, uh, they've launched them off without gravity, just hoping that it would hit. And so I was, I knew when I saw Dark Void is at 50%, I was like, that's not going to stop people. People are still going to throw out these low accuracy Dark Voids and just pray. Um, but no, that won't be the case. There are no Pokemon legal in VGC that can use Dark Void since it is only usable by Darkrai now. And Darkrai has never been VGC legal. So it looks like we might be done with Dark Void for good, or at least for this year. Yeah, it's very nice, you know. We won't be seeing Dark Void, hopefully, ever again. I don't think anyone wants to see it again. But I guess moving on from there, there are two specific attacks I do want to go in depth on here. And those are Thunder Wave and Swagger. Um, but first, I just want to go over, you know, Water Shuriken switch from physical to special. You know, not sure how important that'll be in terms of the Pokemon that can use it. Uh, Sucker Punch dropped from power from 80 to 70. And... I think the biggest surprise is Leech Life's power boost. 20 to 80. 20 to 80 is quite the jump. Uh, we saw a similar change kind of happen to Knockoff in the past. Um, but this is this is astounding. Um, you know, Leech Life used to be this very weak bug move that uh, hardly did anything. And, you know, it kind of made bugs just miserable back in, like, Gen 1 when your only options were Leech Life and Twin Needle uh, for bug-type moves. But... 
Uh, I mean, if the Gen 1 Pokemon saw Leech Life now, <laughs> they would be amazed. They would be so happy. And you know, this makes a mo- this makes this move viable now. Just because it's pretty much comparable to Absorb, which you would never use because you would always use Giga Drain in those situations. But now that Leech Life has an 80 power, you know, that's viable for whatever can use it. Yeah, I, uh, I was looking at it and, you know, like the first thing that came to mind was like Horn Leech. You know, that's a strong move that heals HP and uh, we'll definitely see Leech Life kind of do the same here. It's really cool to see uh, physical bug types getting this option. Absolutely. You know, these are comparable moves to Giga Dra- or this is a comparable move to Giga Drain and Drain Punch. So expect to see some Pokemon using it, you know, if if they uh if they're viable and we'll have the chance to throw that at you. I guess the other I guess we can head on to Thunder Wave and I guess for Sucker Punch, what do you see what do you see in this power drop? Uh yeah, I'm not really sure what they were going for here. I mean, Sucker Punch was already kind of a a gambling move to begin with, you know, you had to guess since Protect is such a common move in VGC and I guess that happens regardless, but if uh, there's also, you know, non-attacking moves like Thunder Wave and Swagger. And so if you set, spend your turn Sucker Punching, you're not getting off damage, whereas a move like Night Slash would guarantee that damage. But now, uh, Sucker Punch dropping, uh, I don't think it's a huge change. It's just going to change kind of the damage that it does in everybody's heads. Yeah, probably just some damage calc changes. You know, people have to adjust to that. Maybe another thing is they maybe they're looking towards the future and Mega Kangaskhan still learns Sucker Punch. So just dropping Sucker Punch's power and Parental Bond's boost makes it even weaker for Kangaskhan. But it's not relevant this year. It doesn't matter for for her. Uh, let's go to Thunder Wave and Swagger. And I guess first off, Thunder Wave no longer 100% accurate. The accuracy dropped to 90. Speed reduction is also no longer 25%. It only cuts your speed to half now, 50%. Yeah, and uh, while we're at it, Swagger's accuracy dropped by 5% from 90% to 85%. And we've also seen a nerf to Confusion, where you only hit yourself, I believe, 30% of the time, as opposed to 50% of the time beforehand. Sorry to be nitpicky here, but do you know if it's th- uh, three-tenths or one-third? That's a good point, and I do not know. <laughs> I don't know either, but it's somewhere around there. You know, it's better than uh, fifth coin flip. Yeah, it, absolutely, and it makes these moves totally not as strong as they used to be. You know, Swagger or Thunder Wave were kind of moves that you could throw out at your opponent, like we mentioned in the Luck episode, where you throw them at your opponent and it gives you a better chance to disable them from using their attacks. And, you know, the more times that you kind of cut your opponent's strategy from occurring, uh, the better chance you have uh, for winning or pulling off your own strategy. And so nerfing these is quite the big change honestly and it's uh i think it's a really good thing yeah i agree i mean we'll see we'll see how much the thunder wave speed changes means to uh speed control because you know going to a minus two changes a lot of or instead of being you know 25 percent, 50 percent is a huge deal in terms of different means of speed control so we'll see if the accuracy starts becoming an issue for people and they want more reliable methods Maybe people start leaning on Trick Room a lot more than they already have been. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, speed control will be huge. It's always a little bit different in these uh, limited dex formats where, you know, not every Pokemon gets Tailwind from that move tutor move, uh, or 
they don't learn Trick Room because it's uh, not as accessible or there aren't as many Psychic-type Pokemon in the Pokedex. Uh, we don't, you know, get to see the familiar Cresselia uh, maybe in this format. I don't know that for sure yet, but I guess moving forward, we can talk about the next thing, uh, updated stat changes, because I just want to save those abilities for last. I've oh, already... thank you! I was thinking <laughs> the same thing, save the best for last! Uh, I, I've peeked at those abilities, Steven and I definitely know what they are already, and those are definitely the most exciting ones, so we're going to touch on these stats first. Um, I'll just kind of go through, so there's a couple here, um, and I think, Steven, since there's a bit too many to list off, Steven and I are going to kind of just go through and nitpick out the ones that are worth talking about um so is there anyone in particular that you want to talk about first steven yes before we get to actual stuff in the decks i want to give a nice shout out to bear tick for (laughs) multiple reasons here uh it's attack base stat got a plus 20 so now it's 130 which that is nice that is very nice for bear tick and it gained a new ability in slush rush which is essentially your Swift Swim, Chlorophyll, and Sand Rush equivalents for hail. Uh, doubles your speed when those when a hailstorm is up. So with that power boost and all those speed boosts, is, it would have been such a cool Pokemon to see in this format, but it's not in the Alola decks. Yeah, it was so disappointing. Uh, I remember I was talking to someone at a Premier Challenge about uh hail and how it's the only ability that doesn't have a speed boosting ability to come with it and so seeing slush rush added is just so cool to me uh it's something that should have been added a long time ago Uh, i love the name of it um i know it's very similar to sand rush but it rhymes and it just sounds so fun slush rush uh and another thing to mention um is we see weather all the time in vgc and very rarely do you see two weathers on a team unless you're talking about dual primal here in vgc 2016 but uh it gets both the swift swim and slush rush ability so you could put bear tick on a team with rain and hail and it could have you know been speedy all the time it would have been the fastest polar bear in town uh and with this huge new attack boost it would have actually been really threatening however pay no mind to bear tick it is not legal so uh sad to see but interesting to note yeah just it's sad crying face here I guess the other significant stat boosts I kind of want to point out here are Masquerade got plus 20s in both special attack and speed. I don't know if that's going to be significant enough for it to be viable or uh, important enough to play with. You know, it does have the Intimidate ability, which is always huge and important. But just for reference, special attack is now 100 and speed is now 80. It really depends on the entirety of the Alolan decks because uh, speed tiers are always going to be a thing based on what is and what isn't legal. And uh, from what we've seen in the past, 80 is just barely not enough. You know, you kind of look at that 100 as being like the middle line. You know, if you're above 100, you're fast. If you're at 100, you're about average. If you're below 100, like around in this 80 range, then, uh, you know, you're just not there. It doesn't really, it needs speed control to really be relevant Uh I would say, because it's not good enough to use Trick Room, and it's also not really fast enough to just kind of go on its own. It's going to have to use Tailwind or something like Icy Wind to, you know, really have a chance to get off its moves. And while it did get boosts to its offensive and speed stats, um, its defenses are still leaving a bit to ask for, and Intimidate's just not quite going to be enough to help keep Masquerade around. Yeah, I just, it has an interesting diverse move pool. 
And it has Intimidate, so maybe it's those are some things going for it. I don't know how good it'll be. But I just wanted to point it out. You know, it is in the Pokedex, and we'll have to see if it will can do anything. Another one that I wanted to mention, uh, moving along, uh, just above Masquerain, uh, in the change list, we've got Pelipper here, which got a uh, ability change that we'll mention later, and that's why we're talking about it now, but it got a buff from 85 special attack to 95. Pel- uh, Pelipper has got already, like, a plethora of, uh, support moves, such as, like, Tailwind, Wide Guard, U-Turn, uh, Knockoff, stuff like that, and, uh, giving it a higher special attack stat just means that Pelipper is gonna kinda, you know, even make itself a bigger threat, and that's gonna be kinda cool. Um, and then another water type that I, I wanted to touch on really quick is Corsola. I actually had not looked at this one until now, but I'm seeing that it got a boost from uh, a 10 boost in its defenses and HP. So 65 HP, 95 defense, 95 special defense. What do you think of that, Steven? That's pretty cool. You know, they're trying to show off and improve Corsola. It's unfortunate that we never got to see the conclusion to Corsola Cup uh, on Wolfclick's channel. That kind of just fell off the earth and disappeared. But, uh, you know, Corsola, you know, it's a bit more defensive now. Uh, I believe it does get uh, Mirror Coat so that it can make a better use of that. I don't know if it gets Counter. I don't know if it gets both of them. But having more defenses is not something you can complain about. No, not at all. I mean, it is in the decks. I don't know if it'll be any useful. It still, it still doesn't look that good, to be honest. Like, the attack power is just not enough. I don't know what support role it can fill. But yeah, if you look, we'll come back to Pelipper and the base stat changes. I guess the other, the other two I want to mention quick, Executor got a plus 10 to its special defense. You know, it's got a little bulkier, so that's great, you know. I believe that's only regular Executor, though. Oh, not is it? Alolan. Okay. Yeah, because if we look at the abilities here on our page, it says Chlorophyll and Harvest, and we do know, and it says Typing is Grass Psychic. So, we do know that Alolan Executor gets the Frisk ability. I don't know if this will carry over since Alolan Pokemon have different stats. They probably just kind of inserted this buff into uh, Alolan Executor's base stat totals and whatever it ends up being paralleling a regular Executor. But ah, so it did. It does carry over. It does carry over? All right, yes. interesting to note. Um, and I guess just, um, Dondrio got a buff from 100 speed to 110 speed. Uh, we saw that was huge for Raichu going into X and Y. It had a 100 speed in the black and white era, but going into X and Y, it got 110 speed. So, you know, maybe Dondrio has a chance to win worlds now. Um. Oh my God. Are you re- <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, That's so cruel. <laughs> Why would you say that? I, you know what? Back when I used to play uh, bits and pieces of singles, there was a very fun strategy you could do with Dodrio, and you can still do it now, although the mechanics would be definitely different in doubles. Um, Dodrio gets the move Thrash, which, after two to three turns, confuses you. Dodrio also has the ability Tangled Feet, which means if you are confused, your evasion goes up. So what you do is you just thrash about until you're confused, and then they can't touch you. I think it's a hilarious strategy, but unfortunately, Thrash, you can't choose which Pokemon you target, so you might just be thrashing into a Ghost type, or a Rock type, or a Steel type. Uh, it's hilarious to think about, but yeah, I agree that Dodrio probably won't make too much of an impact, despite the base 10 speed increase. Yeah, probably not. Uh, no Dodrio in the decks either, so we won't have to worry about any of those oh, crazy no. strategies. <laughs> nope. 
But something uh, totally relevant is Electrode is now 150 speed instead of 140, just to make sure that nothing, absolutely nothing, outruns it. <laughs> there are definitely some Pokemon faster than Electrode, but I'm not sure why they needed to make it even faster than it already was. Nope, so nice speed boost to Electrode there. Dugtrio, which we all know now has an Alolan form, gained 20 to its attack, so 80 to 100. You know, pretty significant there. In terms of, uh, with Z-moves, when you factor that in with the speed and everything, that'll be pretty nice. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Uh, it's just gonna kinda outshine my other favorite ground type, Flygon. You know, Flygon has sits at that 100, uh, attack. And so, um, unfortunately being slower than Dugtrio maybe won't have quite the, as big of an impact. But, you know, Flygon's got some other things to look forward to in this generation. Um, and I'm hoping to see it be relevant. Anyway... Moving forward, uh, I think there's only really two more that I want to mention. Farfetch'd got a fair jump in attack from 65 to 90, so a 25 attack stat increase. Uh, you know, Farfetch'd has always been forever irrelevant, but maybe, maybe, it could try. Maybe. Uh, I do not, it is not in the poke, and that's not in the Alola decks, unfortunately. Oh, come on, I don't know these. I know. Look at it, Interfocus and Defiant, it, it got a chance. It has yeah. a chance here, but no. Alright, then you're gonna have to check this last one while I talk about it to see if it's even legal, but Arbok got a jump in 10 in its attack stat. Uh, it has the Intimidate ability, uh, so I definitely think it could have a chance of being relevant. There's a lot of fairies, so poison will be useful, but Steven's about to tell me that Arbok is not legal. No, Arbok is not legal. Ah. <laughs> You're correct. Uh, Alright, this well, is This is craziness. Alright, so lots of the stat changes apparently happen to Pokemon that won't be legal in VGC, but, you know, VGC isn't what... Uh, Game Freak revolves around, uh, we, we create the rules, they they make the games, they do the changes they want, so uh, we can't always get what you want, but uh, lots of interesting changes that we did already cover here that are going to be exciting. Yep, some of these Pokemon will have to wait until 2018, till next year to play, but why don't we circle back to our old our friend here, Pelipper, and... It's funny that you mentioned Pelipper because there's a good reason for it. You want to tell everyone what's going on here? Yeah, so uh, with this generation, we saw a whole new wave of Pokemon get the ever-so-popular weather abilities. And so Pelipper, as everyone would expect, gets the drought ability. Or did I mispronounce Drizzle? Drizzle ability. Uh, Pelipper can now bring the rain as it enters battle. And it was a really interesting change because... Uh, they just made this Pelipper's... I believe, actually, he didn't have a secondary ability, so now Pelipper's secondary ability is Drizzle. It's not even a hidden ability. You can catch a Pelipper in-game, or a, uh, I guess a Wingle in-game, and evolve it into a Pelipper, and suddenly you've got a rain team. Yeah, that's just really cool for Pelipper. You know, the its stats are somewhat on par with Politoads. You know, you know, you look at the defense and special defense, 170. I think Politoads are switched... So it's 70, 100 for defense, special defense, respectively. Special attacks, I think, around the same power. Speed, it's a little slower. Yes, And yes. I think the HP's kind of low on Pelipper compared to Politoed. I'm actually not sure about that. Yes, but like I mentioned earlier, Pelipper actually does come with a plethora of support moves that are really cool that I think makes it uh, just awesome to have as a weather setter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it gets wide guard. You know, with Z moves, you know, who knows what else they can do. Uh, and although this is kind of funny, uh, 
despite this being such a tropical region, uh, we won't see Ludicolo here to be the popular pair with the Brain team. Uh, Ludicolo has been a staple on Rain teams ever since Drizzle was introduced uh, back in, or not Drizzle introduced, but ever since. Actually, yeah, I don't know how relevant Ludicolo was in VGC 2010. I imagine it had some role, but uh, ever since Rain existed, Ludicolo has loved the Rain, and unfortunately, he is sitting outside of Alola. Yeah, no Ludicolo for Alola. Uh, in 2010, Ray won Worlds with Ludicolo and Kyogre, so. I think he was pretty important back then. Yeah? Uh, did your brother win nationals with Ludicolo? No Ludicolo on that team. Are you sure he had triple fakeout from what I remember? He did have triple fakeout, and I guess for the record, I, I've not mentioned him at all on this show yet, but I do have a younger brother, Wesley Morioka, who is a former national champion. He won U.S. Nationals in 2010. Uh, just a shout out to him, you know... If you are unfamiliar with him, he has not been playing VGC in the last few years. Uh, but yeah, he's a former U.S. national champion. He's also won regionals and played second before. So he's a good play. He was a good player when he was playing. Uh, hopefully, he'll come back this season. That would be that would be nice. That'd be fun. We are definitely thankful for Wesley. I got to play Wesley. Uh, I, I know him. I've met him before. I got to play him at uh, nationals this year in 2016. But uh, yeah, I just brought him up because I thought he had... I knew he had triple fakeout on his national winning team. It was Kangaskhan, before Kangaskhan even had a Mega Evolution, Hitmontop, and something else. Was it Toxicroak? It was Toxicroak. Okay, so no Ludicolo partying over there. Ludicolo, sadly, sitting outside of Alola, like I mentioned, uh, not going to get to enjoy the rain, but it'll open up opportunities for other Swift Swim users, but not Beartick. But not Beartick. No Beartick. And I guess before, I guess really, really quick aside here, before we get to the other well that are abilities, Gengar no longer has Levitate. They took away Levitate and gave it Cursed Body. Do you think it's going to affect Gengar's play in any way? Absolutely affecting it. I think it'll still be a very good and relevant Pokemon, but the way it plays is totally different. Uh, you could pair it next to a Ground-type Pokemon to spam Earthquake. You could switch it in on Earthquakes. Now Gengar is not going to like Earthquake. No, absolutely not. You know, like you mentioned, it's still going to be good. You know, has really good speed, really good power, still has a good, you know, fits a good role in the support uh, department with Taunt, Will-O-Wisp, Destiny Bond, other things like that. But yeah, it's going to be a new world for Gengar. Yes, it's going to be a total change for it. It's going to be really interesting, but I definitely think it will still make an impact. Just got to watch out for those ground moves. Yes, but in terms of new weathers... We have some important ones here, and I'll list them off, and Alex will let you go ahead and talk about whichever one you want to first, but we will get to all of them. We have a new user for Drought, uh, Snow Warning, and Sandstream, which is absolutely incredible. They're all legal in the format as well. You have Torkoal with Drought, holy cow, Gigalith with Sandstream, and Vanillux and Alolan Ninetales with Snow Warning. So... Who do you want to start with? Well, I guess we can just go in order based on the decks. Although, I don't actually know where Alolan Ninetales fits into the decks. Because uh, in the national decks, I'm wondering where it fits in. That's uh, something I'll, I haven't really considered yet. Anyway, we're moving on to Torkoal. Um, taking place of Ninetales as the new Sunsetter. Um, absolutely very slow. But it's got 
quite the decent defensive stats. Um, and its special attack is it's decent, and it gets uh, a move that VGC 2016 players are all too familiar with: eruption. Yes, eruption. And Alex, hold on one second there. I looked at some of the Alolan information. Uh, we will be able to get regular Ninetales, but not until Pokemon Bank, I believe. Yes, I believe I've heard stuff about this too. Uh, something about breeding with Everstones, but you know we're not going to talk too much about speculation. We'll wait till the facts are concrete. Uh, so we can deliver them to you guys. But yes, this is definitely something that uh, I've seen floating around, is that regular uh, forms will be here alongside Alolan forms. Um, as long as they're... Uh, all right, well, I guess they're all legal, because, you know, they're all found in the Alolan decks. Anyway, back to Torkoal. Torkoal, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, it's going to be weird, because, uh, you know, weather abilities often come with the Pokemon with the abilities that speed them up from weather. And so, like, a chlorophyll user is going to enjoy being in Torkoal's sun. However, Torkoal is ever so slow, sitting at the tw- sitting with a 20 speed stat, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, it does actually bring back something that uh, was relevant in years past before VGC 16. Uh, and I guess it was relevant this year, too, between Kyogre and... Groudon, but weather uh, has quite a important relationship with speed. Do you want to kind of talk about what I'm mentioning, Steven? I actually have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's been a while. Uh, you know, you probably remember back in 2015, if you ran a weather team and you're facing an opposing weather team and you lead with your weather setters, the weather will go up based on the speed of your Pokemon. And so Pelipper switches in and Telrical switch in on the same or they're at the same time. Uh, Pelipper's rain will go up, and then because Torkoal is slower, its ability activates second, giving it the drought and the sun. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought I thought you were going for like some really complex answer here, but I didn't. I didn't. No. I guess I wasn't listening very well. And yeah, yeah, I understand <laughs> what you're talking about. There. It's just weather mechanics. Yeah. So Torkoal, because it has the slowest speed stat of all the weather setters, it's going to enjoy sitting in the sun. So this will be a new. A new way to use drought, and especially with a powerful eruption coming from Torkoal. You know, you pack that in with the Z-Move too, you know, who knows what will happen. But for drought for drought setters that we've had in the past, you know, Groudon, which was really only 2010. And you look at Ninetales, and like you, we talked about speed earlier, how 100 is, is original, is a regular Ninetales' is speed. And 100 is that kind of middle ground. Where you're not sure if you want to go fast, you can go slow if you want to, but it's not the best thing for Trick Room. Torkoal definitely has a place for Trick Room, just based on how slow it is. Yeah, it'll be really cool to see um, how Sun tries to tackle Trick Room now, because, you know, we've only seen really Groudon try to tackle Trick Room uh, as a Sun-setting Pokemon, but, you know, it wasn't really Sun, it was Desolate Land, and this is going to be totally different. Torkoal... Uh, it's got some bulk on its own, um, and it's got a decent uh, defensive stat. Uh, so we'll have to see what Torkoal does. And, you know, it does have that incredibly slow speed stat, but it does get the move Shell Smash. You know, if Torkoal wanted it to try to be fast or think that it's fast, uh, it could try setting up a Shell Smash. Uh, that's another thing that Torkoal gets. So it's kind of cool to just have that option, you know. Torkoal can, you know, maybe put on its fastest running shoes and... Uh, do what it can, try to be relevant in terms of speed, but uh, it's just cool that it has the option to Shell Smash. Um, it's a cool option, but I'm sorry, though. Like, 20 base, st- base speed isn't going to get you anywhere. 
You know, if you set up Tailwind on the same turn that you Shell Smash, you know, that's quadrupled the speed, Steven. Maybe, maybe Torkoal can think about outrunning Pelipper or outrunning something. Masquerade, Masquerade, we said, wasn't too speedy. Maybe. Yeah, Time Spore could help. So, good old Torkoal. Anyway, uh, only five p- speed points faster is our next weather setter, Gigalith. How about you give us a little bit of a talk about Gigalith, Steven? Oh my goodness, Gigalith got Sandstream, and it's a Rock-type. It's not like Hippowdon, which doesn't get the special defense boost because it's Ground-type. Gigalith, look at these base stats. 85 HP, 135 attack, 130 defense, 80 special defense, uh, and the slow speed. So, you're getting that special defense boost because it's a Rock-type. You're, you're slow, so you're going to be good in Trick Room. It learns Wide Guard. It has a, you know, relatively decent move pool considering it's a rock type you know it gets rock slide earthquake bunch of physical moves rock slide is always good rock slide is always good and i just like you know we we it's not like it's been completely irrelevant in years past you know in 2011 it wasn't the best pokemon in the unova decks to use but we did see it take second at a regional by len duel in uh, dallas and in 2014 you had ashton cox Bring Gigalith to U.S. Nationals in 2014, and he did really well with that. So, Gigalith has had its moments. It, I think it got significantly better with this new, with, uh, Sandstream. Even having Sturdy as a good ability too, you know, Sandstream's just gonna be, uh, it really takes the cake here. I know, and like you said, those stats look awesome. You know, it's got really good defensive stats uh, coupled with the Sandstream uh, boosting its special defense stat. Uh, it's gonna be a tough Pokemon to take down. Uh, and I think that's really, really cool to see. It's got an awesome attack stat. Um, obviously, we've seen Tyranitar make quite the name for itself, being quite the dominant uh, weather setter in the past. Uh, Gigalith, sitting at a very, very low speed stat, like you said, Trick Room will be a huge deal for it. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Gigalith plays out. I, it will definitely be a Pokemon I think will be relevant in BGC. Yeah, now you think about just comparing it to Tyranitar... Tyranitar does get some nice other moves and the additional uh, type bonus from Dark, but the Dark type also gave it a lot of other weaknesses, including quad weakness to fighting. So, Gigalith being a pure rock type, being able to throw up a Sandstream, I think it's going to be pretty big for it and some of its other partners who will get the benefit from it. You know, we saw Stoutland is also in this dex. We have um, regular Sand Slash. Eventually, we'll be able to get that. Uh, I don't know who else gets... I don't think Excadrill is in this Pokedex. I know, I'm so sad. Excadrill would pair well with this, because uh, while Tyranitar and Excadrill were a popular combo, uh, you could just Earthquake straight next to your Gigalith. Um, Although I did Earthquake next to my own Tyranitar several times. I was known for that back in 2015, (laughs) because because of my weakness policy. However, uh, Gigalith using uh, Wideguard will protect itself from a partner's earthquake uh allowing it to stick on the field instead of having to switch out for a partner that could potentially dodge that earthquake or protecting itself yeah just it'll be a new it'll be a new look to sand to sandstorm it'll be a new look for a slow uh rock type yeah uh and i guess other things to mention really quick about sand before we move on uh the evolution of rock rough like can rock gets uh sand stream or the the fast the speed one sand rush i don't think it's the power one which i would probably benefit more from but that's uh and it also has the exact same type as gigalith so we probably won't see that duo too often 
And then another thing to consider is since Gigalith is so slow and you don't really, and you want Gigalith to kind of capitalize on its slow speed, maybe in Trick Room, you might want to find some Pokemon that have Sand Force. Uh, I know Gastrodon is legal in this dex, and while it really does enjoy that Storm Drain ability, using it with Sand Force might not be a bad idea. Yeah, neither will Alolan Doug Trio. That'll be, you know, we just we just talked about how it got a twenty plus twenty, and it's a base stat attack, base attack stat. So you compound that with, you know, instead of using Tangled Hair, you add on Sand Force to increase your Steel, Ground, and Rock type moves. You know, that's gonna be dealing some good damage. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It maybe uh, Alolan Doug Trio will be my new Excadrill, and you can Earthquake next to Gigalith using Wide Guard. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. It's a fun thing to think about, definitely. Uh, and I guess moving on to the last one, we've got the ever-so-tasty Vanillux with the Snow Warning ability. I guess we do have one more to talk about after this, but Vanillux is the last uh, old Pokemon to get a update. Yes, so let's talk about Vanillux here a little bit. Um, Vanillux is... Obviously, it looks good because it's ice cream, but it's never really served the best role in the past. Soft served the best role. Maybe it is soft serve. Hopefully it's a uh, getting a. Hopefully it doesn't get from some cold stoned, cold right. stoned by rock slides. <laughs> but anyway, the its special attack isn't bad. One ten. That's actually very good for a special attacker. Um, in terms of its move pool, you know, obviously gets all those standard ice type attacks. I don't know if it gets icy wind. I do know it does get freeze dry. As well as uh, Lowland Ninetales. So you don't have to worry about some of those water types that are planning on sitting in to wall your ice moves. Because you do have Freeze Dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really cool option that it has. Um, something else that I just want to mention really quick is it actually has a 95 physical attack stat. And I'm not really sure what it's going to be doing with that. Uh, it's just interesting to note. I did not know that Vanillix had such a high physical attack stat. It might be able to make use of some other types of moves. Uh, Torkoal also has actually an 85 attack stat, which is equal to its special attack stat, something I forgot to mention. So, while these Pokemon seem to be predominantly special attackers, they have the option to switch switch sides, I guess. Um, but back to Vanillix, uh, I know it gets Flash Cannon. Uh, I've seen that. So as long as Flash Cannon, I think, is a TM, though. I don't think it learns it by level up. So I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, but if it can get Flash Cannon... That would be very good in a format with fairies, uh, and as well as a way to combat Gigalith if you manage to get the hail up. Absolutely. Another, so something troubling I'm seeing here, or it could be a blessing in disguise here, is look at that speed. Base 79. So, it's not the fastest thing, it's not the slowest thing. It, I, I guess it gives it options to go trick room mode, or put a scarf on it, or just go fast. Yeah, you know, it, like you said, it's got the options. You know, Gigalith, Torkoal, they don't have options. They they are stuck there with their low speed stats. Even at plus four, they're going to be outsped by other Pokemon with decent speed stats. So, um, you know, it has the chance to go fast if it needs to. Um, the one thing that I think sets Vanillix mostly apart from the other weather setters in this case is uh, it's definitely more offensive and not as bulky it's not going to be able to stick around as long especially with the ice typing yeah vanillix will be able to deal some significant damage just because of the ice moves and you know how well that hits a lot of different pokemon in the game but the other the other hail setter we have is nine tails 
who Alolan Ninetales, who did get a speed boost in its new form, and it is now sitting at 109. So that's going to put it over Salamence, that's going to put it over Garchomp. They're not going to enjoy having to deal with uh, another Hail Setter that, or a Hail Setter that is naturally faster than them. Yeah, that's actually going to be really cool. Uh, very cool to see uh, that Ninetales is going to be able to kind of threaten on its own, you know, without the need of a partner to kind of outspeed these faster uh, dragon types. Um, it'll really, yeah, defend itself, uh, and it's going to be probably pretty strong and offensive. Yeah, you just think about it being ice and fairy type, you know, just pure dragon hate there. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see if it has a role. If it's if it's low, it's special attack's kind of low at eighty-one. So I don't know if it'll be good enough for it to be, you know, relevant this year. I imagine we'll we'll, we'll see it get some chance, but I don't know how good it's actually going to be. The other the other four Pokemon we talked about with weather, um, I think they have a shot to do something significant. And you know, we also forgot to mention, you know, Politoed is in the Pokedex too, and he does get Drizzle like always, so. You do have another weather um, option there, too. Yeah, so if you're more familiar with Politoed and its shenanigans, then you can go that way. Or, you know, you also have the option to just double up on Rain Setters. You know, if you really, like, need Rain Up for your strategy to go right, you could have Pelipper in the lead and Politoed in the back, and then when they get rid of your weather with one of these new weather setters like Torkoal or Gigalith or Vanillix, you just switch in your Politoed and the Rain is right back there. Yeah, and they do have differing support options so i do like having that available to us to play with so it'll be fun to see some it'll be very fun to see some of these new weather setters enter the scene and see if if they can compete with all the terrains that'll be going up with the guardians and some of the z moves we'll be seeing too yeah, uh, there's a lot to look forward in this uh, uh coming weeks as the format starts to grow and uh just ever-changing because nobody knows what's actually the best. So uh, definitely get out there, try some new things, um, and, I mean, first of all, just beat the game. Have fun with it. Like we, Steven and I said before, don't rush it. We aren't going to rush it ourselves. We're going to take our time, enjoy it as we go. Um, but as you go, like, start piecing together what you want to, what you think looks good competitively, what you think uh, will be relevant, like how exactly you're going to be breeding these teams to get ready for competition. Um, and, you know, then once you're ready and everything, hop on Battlespot. Start playing some of the games. This is going to be really exciting going forward uh, with all the weather abilities, all these terrains to experiment with. It's uh, really all so exciting. Yeah, you know, we have very major tournaments coming up in London, uh, London International, San Jose, or sorry, the Europe International in London, very, coming up very soon. We have San Jose and Dallas Regionals, those are also in December. But the the most important thing is have fun with your game. Um, you know, like, just have fun with your game. And I'm really looking forward to this format to try out something new, try out the Z moves. And it looks like there's going to be a lot of very different team uh, team building options and teams that you're going to have to work around and deal with. So it'll be very exciting to see where the format takes us in these first few weeks. And, you know, I can't wait to finish my game and then start playing on Battlespot. Yeah, look out for us on there. 
I'll be in the 1400s or whatever is the equivalent of play- being 1400 on Battle Spot last year. You know, that's something I, don't, I haven't really thought about, Steven. Do you think they'll carry over the same ranking system? Do you mean like uh, your rating? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, just the standard, like you start at 1500, you can go above or below. Yeah, I actually think, actually, well, I actually looked on Global Link already. I think that is the same, like always. Spoilers, Steven. Come on, I didn't know yet. Oh, nah. you fool. <laughs> that is That is not a major spoiler at all. The rating system is the exact same as it I, as it always has been. Maybe there are some minor tweaks. I don't think there were. Mm-hmm. But that'll do it for this episode of the Hyper Voice. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope some new players start listening to us, of course. And we hope you guys start coming out to tournaments. You know, we are, we'd love to have you. We'll help you out as much as we can. And with that, we will close here and let you guys get back to your games, get back to your theory modding for your VGC teams and getting to practice. So whatever you're doing, just have a happy Thanksgiving. If you're in America, have a happy, have a good day wherever you are in general. And you guys can find us on iTunes. We have, um, just search for the Hyper Voice. You can download us there, subscribe to the podcast. We have an email that we mentioned earlier. You can email us feedback and questions if you like our show. If you have any questions about the format or some tournaments upcoming, email us to, send an email to vgchypervoice at gmail.com. And lastly, you can reach out to both of us on Twitter. Alex, where can people find you? You can find me at LexiconVGC on Twitter. And Steven, we can find you at? I am at Super Morioka. And that'll do it for the Hyper Voice. We'll see you guys next time. We look forward to talking about more Sun and Moon. Get ready, guys.